morning, everyone. It's so good to be here this morning and get to, yeah, just just hang with you all and um, have another Sunday. Uh, so uh, you're probably wondering why why is this helmet up here? Um, why why did you bring a baseball helmet on stage? And this is what's called a uh, illustration. Um, <laughs> so, Derek probably knows, um, and if you've hung out in my office at all, you, you probably know. So, there's a story that I love to tell about getting helmet nachos. Caitlin's already like, oh gosh, <laughs> not again. Um, anyways, so first off, you're probably wondering, like, why is it a baseball helmet? Two, if, if you know who I am, you know I'm a Cardinals fan, so why is there a Reds helmet in there? Uh, versus Cardinals, and um, you'll find out. So anything that, or I try most things in my office that are like props or whatever, have like a story. So like if if you see something, usually there's a story behind why it's there. Um, And so anyways, this helmet represents the infamous story of finally getting helmet nachos. Um, And so if you're wondering what helmet nachos are, this entire helmet with like, had like a wax paper in it, filled with nachos all the way up, filled with like cheese and jalapenos and salsa, all the works that, of what you get on a normal um, nacho. And so they are probably the best nachos I've ever had in my life. But anyways, in 2016, going all the way back, my family uh, went to Great American Ballpark to watch a Reds game. Um, so one of my brothers used to be in the Air Force, and when he was on leave, um, one of our, the things my family did was we went to a Reds game, and while there, uh, you know, we had seen all these people, like, eating these, these beautifully looking made nachos, and all we did was pay $35 for a hot dog and a Gatorade, because, you know, everything's always jacked up pricing at the baseball field, um, and in my head, I was like, you know, if... For whatever reason, if we're here again, I'm going to find those helmet nachos and I'm going to get some. And so three years later, I think I have a picture of it on here. Uh, yes, so this is my, my, uh, the dudes of my family. Um, my brother, Zach, on the left in the Harvard shirt. He didn't go to Harvard, but he was wearing a Harvard shirt. Uh, my brother, Justin, he was the one that was in the Air Force wearing a Reds jersey. Obviously, me in the Cardinals jersey. And then my dad is in a red shirt. How I became a Cardinals fan, I'm not really sure how I became a Cardinals fan, but everybody else in my family is a Reds fan. Um, But yeah, anyways, we were in a pretty good spot behind home plate, and when we went to go get food, you know, I wanted these helmet nachos, and we had kind of looked around in the area, didn't didn't find them, Um, and so at one point during the game, my brother, Justin, and I, we went to go finally find these nachos. Um, and looked everywhere, looked everywhere, still couldn't find them. But thankfully, someone had walked up that had these helmet nachos, and we were like, finally, where do you get these helmet nachos at? We've been looking all over the place. She's like, I was doing the same thing. If you go, like, all the way around the stadium to this one point in left field, you'll be able to get them there. And so um, went there, finally found the place where they sold these darn helmet nachos, and um, uh, after taking out a small loan to afford these helmet nachos, finally got some and enjoyed 
and got a uh, souvenir out of the deal. So that's the infamous story of helmet nachos. And what does helmet nachos have to do with Jesus? Um, well, Ephesians, <laughs> that's what. And still, you're like, what? Um, so we're looking at a prayer that Paul prays for the people of Ephesus today to be revealed of the heavenly realm. In Greek, Paul uses a word that translates to apocalypse in English. So not like apocalypse, like zombie apocalypse, but apocalypse in Greek meaning revelation. So praying for a revelation to know the heavenly realm. And he wants them to go on a journey with Jesus to find it. It's a search and find, or as Jesus says, seek and find. Paul wants us to seek and find Jesus. And I really wanted to seek and find these nachos, um, but more importantly, Jesus wants me to seek and find him. He wants all of us to do that. And so every day we should be praying to have an apocalypse, the heavenly realm, and sit in that gift that Jesus gives us, a foretaste of the heavenly kingdom um, that's here and now, that will soon one day be restored in fruition when Jesus returns. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians uh, 1, verses 15 through 23. And if you have the Version Bible app, um, you can go into the app, click events, um, and then our uh, notes and resources will be the first one on the list there. You can click on that, and then there's like the scriptures there. There's some resources that you can look further into. It's a Version Bible plan on there to further go into study and just some other information on there. Um, but we're going to be in Ephesians 1, 25 through 23 today. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So if you're wondering why Paul writes in long sentences again, just so you know, I'm pretty sure that this in the original language was also one sentence. And so all of chapter one is like two sentences, which is pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, as we, we dive in, um, we're going to look at just kind of tearing apart what, what, what all this means. And so the first part, the first two verses, 15 and 16, talks a lot about thanking God for the saints. So um, Paul wrote when he heard about the holy people's faith in God and love for others that he hadn't stopped praying for them. These people were doing what they were supposed to be doing, um, and they were doing what Jesus had said, like what the two greatest commandments were, to love God, to love others. They were being honoring in that. 
Um, and so Paul was a thankful and praying apostle. He showed his heart for um, God's people in all of his letters. Like, if you know the, the first and second Corinthians, those people had some very deep morality issues, but he still found ways to, to, to thank them for, for who they are and what they're doing um, for the kingdom. Because he shows gratitude and shows he has a heart of grace, not a self-righteousness and, or self-centeredness. And that's how we should be towards others, because we're messed up people too, right? Uh, you know, anything that they dealt with in the Scripture, we're probably dealing with to some degree um, today. And so we should have a heart of grace and um, not of self-righteousness or self-centeredness to others. So just as Paul showed gratitude, we should as well towards those who've influenced us, to those we have great honor to influence as well. So pray often for those people because they need it. They need that encouragement. They need that, that lifting to help them get through their day. So the, the next part, the next uh, f- five verses um, is we need to pray for an apocalypse. Pray to, to have an understanding of the, the kingdom that is soon coming, to experience a foretaste of that. Of that. And so in this section, Paul prays, prays and urges for the people to receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation given to them for the eyes of their heart to be illuminated, that they would be revealed. This is so that they would um, know the hope and the inheritance and the power that God has over them and has over the world. And we need to pray for that, that in our own lives because God is ready to open our eyes to know him and his truth. After Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he goes on a walk um, to Emmaus with a couple of people who, who followed him. And um, if you read that chapter, um, they weren't sure who Jesus was because their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And while on this walk, Jesus w- was giving him, them some, some good and challenging teachings. And it led them to a point where they're approaching um, the village of Emmaus. And, and this is what, what Luke writes about that moment. They approached the village where they were growing, going, and he gave the impression, Jesus, that he was going farther. And so they strongly urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And so he went in to stay with them. And it came about when he had reclined at the table with them that he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, and began giving it to them. And then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And then later on with his disciples, Jesus said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things that are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Just as Jesus opened the eyes of his disciples, God opens the eyes of the unbeliever's heart at at conversion. And so Paul asked God to give followers of Jesus the eyes to see who they really are, his holy people, the people he's for, the people he died for. We are one with Jesus. And the power for us to be revealed or to be revealed to us is the same power that raised Messiah Jesus from the dead. In a longer quote, but one that I think is so good to kind of help us understand what this means, um, comes from Dr. Tim Mackey um, in, 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 uh, in Ephesians class that I took. 
Jesus was the one who saved from evil and death and resurrection. He was a victim of sin and death, and he was vindicated, cleared of suspicion, through the resurrection, out into life and new creation. And for those who trust in him, they find themselves in him. His identity defines my identity. His death becomes my death. His resurrection becomes my resurrection. His exaltation to rule over heaven and earth becomes my true calling as the image of God. Jesus has the power and authority over all. And what, what, uh, what does he do with that authority? He blesses us with it. When we're in him, we have a new identity, a new life, a calling to be a part of God's image, to partner with him in all that he, he's doing. We get, we get a stake in it. Like, how cool is that? Like, God could have used anything. He could have used anybody. He could have used, you know, like, like the, the heavenly creatures to have rule over the earth, but instead he uses humans. Jesus is the head, and then he uses us to make a difference in his kingdom. Let's not lose that gift. Continue to be the Eden blessing to those around you and be the Jesus that others need. Pray for this revelation to further see, understand God's wisdom and revelation and power. And that leads us into kind of our, our last, last part of this scripture today, uh, the exaltation of Christ. Jesus was exalted over all. He is the true divine human ruler of the universe and dethroned the other rulers, authorities, powers, and dominions. And that's now and forevermore. It wasn't just at a moment's time, but, but forever. Jesus is over all. At the time of this writing, that was a big deal and a bold claim. Because if you remember, kind of kind of referenced it in week one, we talked about the temple of Artemis. And if you know that, you know that it's one of the seven wonders of the world. Um, and so in, in Ephesus, that was, a, that was a big deal. And um, the worship of Artemis had some very, very scandalous things in it, um, very disgusting things, and um, really messed up things. And so it was an idol worship that people had there. Um, and, and in this section, Paul, Paul is like, completely claiming that Jesus is true authority over all rulers, um, even, even Artemis. And so this would have been like a big deal to those people. They would have been like, what, what are you talking about, Paul? <laughs> like, there's no way. And, and that, like, they, they were pretty, pretty honestly, they were, they were pretty infuriated with him. Um, but praying through this and, and helping the people to see this, to overcome those views, um, was a huge deal. And so, I mean, people left that, that temple worship that they had, and they, they turned to Jesus to follow him. And so this King Jesus has focused his universal leadership toward one particular place in the overlap of heaven and earth. His ecclesia, the called out ones. His authority is to be acknowledged and manifested in our worship and life by being filled up by him who fills up all things. And so this is what I guess I want us to end on. How cool is it that Jesus wants his authority and kingship to be about us? Like that still, it will always blow my mind that it's about us. Like from the beginning of Genesis to Revelation, it's all about 
restoring you know, humanity and restoring his creation to be back to the, the Eden blessing. And like, that will always blow my mind that regardless of how much we fail, how much we rebel and try to choose our own way of ruling and reigning, God is still for us. God forgives us. God loves us. And, and he wants us to be a part of what he's doing here on earth and into the next generation and the generation after that. He sent Jesus to be the ultimate sacrifice for us, to become our identity and redeem us forever. So that in the end, end of days, we get to live with him and enjoy, enjoy the new heaven and new earth with him, giving praise to this King Jesus. So I pray as, as uh, you know, we, we end today, to have an apocalypse, to be revealed um, of, of this, this heavenly realm, or to have a foretaste of what um, Jesus is, is doing in his kingdom now and, and in the future. And so um, maybe you've not given your life to Christ before, and, and my prayer would be that, that either, either you would or that you would continue seeking. Um, our staff would love to, to converse with you um, to pray with you, and, and even our student leaders as well. And so um, that's my prayer today, is that we would exalt Christ, that we would pray for an apocalypse, and continue to seek after the ways that, that God has redeemed us and restored us forever. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll continue on with communion. Uh, God, I thank you for this day. Thank you for... Um, how you've changed us forever. And so I pray, God, for us all to have an apocalypse of who you are, to be revealed of, of this um, kingdom of heaven here and, and see how it's going to be finished um, in the future. And so I thank you, Jesus, that you continue to forgive us, that you uh, continue to change our hearts. And it's my prayer, God, that we would seek faithful obedience um, to you forever and ever. In your name we pray. Amen.